This episode of Finding Demo is being brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. Old Delaware Surf Fishing up north. Yeah, I love them. They've got a bunch of great stuff in their shop. Floats, hooks, rigs, teasers, a whole bunch of different pieces. There's going to be more coming to the website. I can't talk about it, but you're going to want to pay attention to it because uh, it's about to get really crazy. DSCustomTackle.com is the website. Like I said, check it all out. Get your order in. If you're a rig maker and looking for a supplier, they got you really well covered. They can do a lot of that, and you're going to start seeing them. Oh, I don't know, maybe in your local tackle shop soon. I mean, maybe let a cat out of the bag that I shouldn't let a cat out of the bag. You never know. All right. Let's get into it. New week, new episode. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. Life is treating you good. And then you've been out fishing. It is getting into the best time of year for fishing. Fall fishing is absolutely, positively one of my favorites in the state of Florida. Yeah, things start getting funky. The pompano start running. The reds are running. And then we're going to be turning into colder weather. We're going to be looking at tuna up here in my area. We're going to be looking at big fish. I mean, there's a whole lot of great things that are going to happen in the surf. This week, we're taking a little road trip over to the east coast of Florida. Again, we're going down to the space coast area. And this week, we're talking with Captain B's Surf Fishing Charter. If you haven't seen them, uh, some stuff to go back. and The website will be linked back on to findingdemosurffishing.com. It'll be on the website. It'll also be on the transistor page. It'll also probably be on whatever social media platform you start uh, click from. But you're going to be able to find him on his website, Facebook, Instagram, uh, easy stuff. And, oh, I don't know, you might find him on the old Salt Strong team. Yeah. He's got some videos there, too. He's got a lot of cool stuff going on. So without further ado, I'm going to stop flapping my jibs and get him on the show here because, I mean, he's going to have to tell you all his own accolades. So, Captain B, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? How are you, my friend? I am wonderful. It is the end of my day, and I get to close my day out talking about fishing. So, yeah, I am friggin' I am golden. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I started my day talking about and fishing, and now I'm going to end it talking about fishing and then i'm gonna go cook some fish for dinner that we caught so very nice what'd you catch today now we got today i had to do an inshore because it was too rough so we fished under a bridge still land-based and caught some mangrove snapper oh, but still yeah, they're, they're my favorite i fry them whole you know i still i hate to say it i think that's an underrated cooking method i think a, so many people still do the cut and fillet but i mean you just gut if you gut scale all yeah, that, and that's i mean and i know we're going to talk about more about surf fishing but yeah and, and i've set them out when we, when we have friends over as like an appetizer just to to pick the little pieces off and there'll be a skeleton left that's it and i've had people say oh I've, i can't eat a whole fish and then i look over there and yeah well i guess you can yes you can you may think you can't don't worry and and you, you don't get judged either. If you know, I, if I put a whole fish in front of you and you eat it, I'm not judging you. I'm applauding you. And if no, you right, don't exactly. eat it, it's going on a salad tomorrow for me. So it's all good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right, Kat, let's start out at the very, very beginning here. Let's wind the tape all the way back. Tell us your story and what got you into fishing. I started fishing when I was four years old. I grew up on the, the coast of South Carolina between Cherry Grove and Charleston. Did a lot of fishing in Cherry Grove. I literally lived in Cherry Grove which is now a giant tourist area outside of Myrtle Beach, if you're not familiar where it is. 
we had dirt roads. We had Coquina roads when I grew up there. Now it's high rise everywhere, but there's still very, very good fishing there. And my grandfather taught me it. I started flounder fishing. Um, I had a commercial fishing business when I was nine years old. I would go catch flounder, take them down to Merle's Inlet by boat, sell them to the restaurants down there, probably selling them $200 worth of fish for 40 bucks. But when you're nine years old, 40 bucks, you roll into the, you know, the pinball arcade, uh-huh. you got it made. You are the king. At <laughs> you that are the point. king. You want that snow cone? <laughs> you go get that snow cone. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, and my grandfather, big, big influence. He would take me to the surf, showed me how to surf fish. There's literally not a day that goes by that I don't use something he taught me when I'm either on a charter or when I take a day off, I go surf fishing. And it's it's been something that I am so glad that's a part of my life. It is my favorite form of fishing. I do all types of fishing. I have my 100-ton license, but surf fishing is my favorite. Wow, that's a bold statement from a boat yeah. guy. It is, isn't it? I, I get a lot of heat for it. I'll get some calls <laughs> after this. I probably will get some texts throughout the thing about it whenever they see it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love it that you do in all facets because I think surf fishing is glorious by all means. It is my absolute favorite. I will happily go in a boat with somebody. I will happily go pay to go out on the party boats and go catch big fish. But surf fishing is just, it's wonderful. And I really feel like if you lock yourself into one type of fishing, you just, I don't know if you get stagnant. I don't think stagnant is the right word, but you just, you don't grow as much as if you play all facets in a way. You can yeah, get so many different pieces. Well, I find crossover. I, I will take little things that I've used, oh, yeah. even boat fishing, and, and cross it over in the way of doing rigging or even color combinations that I would have never thought of using if I wouldn't have done the other type of fishing. Right. Yeah. So it's good pieces there. I love that. That's, that's fun. All right. What's your favorite thing about fishing? My, man, my favorite thing about fishing is you're in your own world. Surf fishing, not to use a forest gump line, but you never know what you're going to catch, particularly over here. I mean, we've got particularly this time of year. It could be anything from a black tip shark to a snook, pompano, even mangrove are in the, the surf right now, redfish, yeah. trout, whiting, bluefish, which we don't get monsters in Florida, as you know, but we're getting two, three pounders, which on a light rod and on a spoon, that's a great fight in the surf. Oh, yeah. And they're good. I oh, still I don't know why people say they're bad. They are not a trash fish. They are good. Not at all. Not. We actually did some sashimi uh, two weeks ago that we caught. Uh, caught him, brought him up. You know, obviously I bleed him right away. Right. And then we shashimed him out. We can, it, it was a lot like a, a Spanish mackerel. I mean, it, it had a very much the same flavor. Spanish mackerel is a little denser, a little firmer, but the flavor is wonderful. Yeah, she's an oil. I mean, they're oily. And that's oh, one absolutely. of the great things. And you throw a little lemon on there. Or, you know, I, I will do it this year. I will do bluefish ceviche just to, you know, change it up a little bit. But it's it's fine i I've, I've told so many people and so many was and i've done it on this show just cut the dark meat out and it's even better it's such a good fish well i've actually done them on the half shell where i fillet it to leave the scales on it oh. put it on the grill on not extremely hot heat put lemon wedges and onions on it just olive oil and garlic and that's it and then take the onion or the the lemon and char it just a little bit at the end and then squeeze that on top of it. You get a little lemony, smoky taste to it and just eat it right off the skin. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's good stuff. That one. We've turned oh, this into a cooking show. 
Oh man, are you kidding? One of these days I am going to find. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to plug them because they haven't responded. And the time I did phone, I did call and ask who they were running their social media. They were like, no, and hung up on me. I'm like, oh. I wasn't really trying to sell you anything. I really wanted you on my show. But yeah, that they make such great food. And I'm all like, I just want to talk to you about how you cook fish. Damn it. That's all but, I want. <laughs> you know, that in the surf fishing trips, that's one of the number one requests I get is I want to catch fish that I can take home and make fish tacos out of. Why that's the number one request that I get. And so I've actually printed out three and four different recipes and I give it to my charters so that they have a recipe for all the types of fish that we're catching. And I also work with some restaurants where I'll clean the fish and they can take it in and they'll cook it for them, give them a salad and some French fries and, you know, charge them nine, 10 bucks. And they like doing that too. <laughs> Nothing like cooking free protein. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. It's exactly. so smart. That business model is a brilliant model. I mean, it's it for restaurants. If you guys are close to the water, if you're not doing that, you, you're just missing out on a free market. That's such easy money. Oh, absolutely. Where you are, everyone does. Yes. We took it into uh what peg legs i cleaned it at peg legs at their yeah yeah. and uh, i cleaned it at their cleaning station some spanish mackerel handed to the bartender she took it to the back and cooked it and brought they brought it out it's great yeah that place is i i have unfortunately not been able to eat there because anytime i've driven by the parking lot's completely jammed back i'm like yeah yeah. we were downstairs we were in the as they called it the locals area no ac which is perfectly fine with me had fans going live music that's a fun place. It really yeah. is. They did a great job with it. Okay. Back on track. Back on track. <laughs> <laughs> What's a bucket list fish for you to catch? Wow. Uh, a bucket list fish was going to be a rooster fish. I've never caught one. Uh, I, I've seen it. I've never even been close to one, actually. And I've been in, in, uh, in South America. I've been in Mexico. Um, but I've never gone in down to Panama, for example, or even you know, Cabo, which oh, you Cabo. Heard, yeah, you heard about that. That was you nuts. Can, you can catch them off the, the beach there, yep. which is insane. And that's see that that hits home for me right there. Uh, you know, I'll get into it later with some of the things we're going to talk about. But, yeah, I've got some things to share about what I want to do and bucket list plans as well. But it would be a rooster fish. I mean, I get just as excited catching a one pound whiting as they did when I caught a 625 pound black marlin. I mean, so it's, I just love to fish. I love to see the rod bend. I love to feel the pull on the other end. And it's just, it's just very gratifying. And I have turned that into, I love taking people that have never fished before and having them fish and see the enjoyment on their face. I mean, I've had 50 plus year old men cry when they've caught Pompano because they've always wanted to catch it. So it's, it's a very rewarding experience. Oh, yeah, very, very much so. And you bring up Cabo. I just did an episode with uh, Cabo Surfcaster Wes, and he oh. was telling me about the time he was catching her, how he does it, because he catches roosters all down there all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, what? You know, it was just like an utter shock. And then he told me the story of how he did it the first one with his bait coming right down the wave, and all the other fish ran out, and all he saw was that rooster pone right in. I was like, okay that's intense he's like oh it was great man I, you know and then i could see that kind of moment that would hook you for life there's no oh, way you're getting out of that adrenaline absolutely rush. absolutely i mean that from and from land i mean because oh, you're yeah. not cutting the corner with a boat you know you it's all you your gear and the fish man yeah right? that's that's not stressful <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, you nailed, named a couple places there. So let's, let's go into this last one and then we'll move into the tips and tricks here. Sure. Can you share a memorable surf fishing stories, including any kind of unexpected catch or challenging fishing situations? Um, one of my most memorable happened actually just recently. We were fishing um, on the Patrick Space Force Base uh, beaches and I had a gentleman that wanted to his whole life goal. And it relates to what I just said was to catch a pompano. And he'd actually been surf fishing for uh, like 14 years and had never caught a pompano. We'll get into that and the tips and the other parts, too, on why that happens. We went out and it was a slow day. We were catching Palomita, which you guys get them up there occasionally. It's uh, it looks yeah. like a baby permit, but it's got pre-made grill marks already on it. Yeah, and they're delicious too. Yeah, and they're delicious. We caught a bunch of those, and he had a cooler full. Well, we're in the ninth inning. I'm taking the six rods down real slowly, letting them stay in, letting them stay in. I put my hand on the 14 footer to bring it in to end the day, and it doubles over. I get him on the rod. And it's a it's a 20 inch pompano, and he literally he he broke down on his knees holding the fish, and there were tears coming out of his eyes. It, and it was real. I mean, it was a this he had a, a spiritual ocean experience with that fish. It was it was amazing. Um, obviously, I've caught a lot of cool things in the surf. Um, probably the the neatest is I did catch last year a uh, a keeper mutton snapper out of the surf here, which is unheard of. That's yeah. not normal for that zone. Not at all. Not at all. There, you know, there've been some crazy things happening now lately. Yeah, that's they true. really have. I mean, they're catching, now they're catching um, yellow jack up in Daytona. I mean, I, I've never even seen one north of Key Largo before. So it's, you know, things are moving around. Things. Yep. We're going to leave it at that. Uh, that current is quite good coming up from the South. I've been staring at it a lot this year. Uh, on the Friday night show that I do with my buddy Smitty Surf Fishing, uh, it's one of the things we talk about is currents. I always bring it up on Windy and because I'm, I'm always staring at the current. I want to see where it's flowing, where the Gulf Stream is, how it's moving. Because yeah. another episode really kind of got me very, very honed in on currents. And uh, yeah, y'all's has been quite the interesting one. And it's, it's been it's been warm, real warm. Very, very warm. And then all these storms that they're not a affecting us necessarily as in uh, you know, hitting us, but they're staying the perfect distance offshore to make giant surf. Yeah. That's and, and continuous. And that's, that's not normal for us in this, this pattern this the, the, the fall pattern. Yes. We'll get a storm. It'll jack the surf up and then it's dead calm and it's beautiful. We have just had one after another, after another, it, it really, really hurt our mullet run. Yeah. The mullet still ran, but it was too rough for us to get the full effect of, of being able to fish it. Yeah. The El Nino thing. So I, I don't remember which one it was. I don't remember if it was Mike's weather page or something of that nature. Um, but uh, I was watching it and here we're talking about the, how the wind is with an El Nino runs mm -hmm. basically right along the equator. You got that hot stuff and it's pushing pressure, just slamming it to the East. It's just pounding it. And, uh, with an El Nino and hurricanes because the way that it runs, how we normally get the hurricane, especially for us, you know, it comes in off the South and it comes up through the bottom and yeah. it just punches us right in the face in you know, Louisiana or something. Yeah, you're like a catcher's mitt up there for, Oh you, yeah, man. we are. We're just a perfect target for it. And yeah. we're like, yay. Um, yeah. But with El Nino, the way that the winds and the, uh, the pressure was anyone that was coming at us was getting hit and getting sent up. 
and every damn storm did it. Every mm. one of them took a right turn early. Mm. So you guys were getting all the pressure and all the force from the outer bands, which was taking the fish that normally hide there and making them get the hell out of Dodge and run west. Everything was messed up up and down your guys' coast. Your Pompano run was late. Mm. You guys were getting black drum in a really weird time it, there was so many crazy pieces up in jacksonville is where I, the only reason i'm bringing that up is that's where i get sure, yeah. reports is northern florida um and i was like okay that's weird if the north's getting it why isn't it happening down on the space coast because i know where you're at at patrick because you know where the pavilion bathroom is oh yeah yeah okay so that last little piece where you can walk on the dirt and then you take the left and that last access turn right and then you're down in front of the buildings you got one or yeah, two buildings. Yeah. yeah that's my that's my honey hole. That's my favorite oh, yeah. place. <laughs> That's where I go. That's where See, I go one when of, I visit my mom. <laughs> one of mine and, and my other guide friends and fishermen friends get mad at me. I have no issue telling people where my spots are because, number one, they're going to see me there. I'm probably going to get a charter from it. Number two, it's a big ocean. It's huge. It's a big, big ocean. So by the satellite dish there, if you know where that is, yeah. uh, the, the big dish that there's a beach access right there, that's, that's mine. But – and you can park right up front and just roll it right down. And it's amazing fishing. Amazing. Um, there's some rocks that are just barely in reach. Um, you're going to lose a rig or two, but yeah. it brings in other species. You're, you're, we're catching sheep's head also from the beach there. Yep. Yep. That's where I caught. Well, my daughter technically caught it. I give her the credit. She reeled it in. Yeah, we caught one out there. And I remember the radar. I was like, I could park there. And it was full. It was chock full in the parking lot. I was like, I'm not dealing with that. So the last three times I've fished, I've gone there. Um, and I've looked to go a little further south next time, but you're uh there's some good spots there. You got some nice we, structure. We're real, we're real fortunate here in in Brevard in general, um, from the Cape all the way down, but South Melbourne has some little hidden accesses that it's you feel like you're Juan Ponce de Leon walking through the mangroves to get down there to it because it's 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 all the the palmettos and just the the sea grapes and it's a path that I'm six, five. So I'm leaning over, holding my gear, getting down there to it. And then you walk out and there's no one. And that's almost unheard of anymore in yeah. Florida. In fact, it is unheard of in Florida. Yeah. I was a little butthurt. I tried to use my military ID to get onto onto the space force base. Cause you know, that corner. So you got the inlet. And if you go North, you got that little button hook right there. And if you go yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe a mile up, then you're basically right on their property line. There's some beach accesses with the yeah. jeeps and all that. And I was like, I'm going there, and I, I was very, very politely told, uh, "This is a permanent personnel only base, sir. You can have a good yeah. day." I was like, "No, <laughs> I really want to fish it." So yeah, one day you should have you should have gotten a golf tee time because with a golf tee time oh. you could have done the turn and then. But but uh, yeah, you know, might have. I might what have I like about it, yeah. What I like about it is. Uh, if there's a storm coming, it sounds like they're right beside us when we're on the beach. You hear, this is the base commander. We're at a level two lightning warning. Lightning is within 20 miles. And that's okay. When he gives a level one yeah, you're and we're right. within five miles, I leave. And I have people that are, well, why are we leaving? I said, do you do understand the best radar in the world is located right there? And they just said, we got lightning here. We're leaving. Yeah. You don't need to be anything, anything T5 and below. I'm out. No, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I, we don't need, I don't need to tread. I don't need to check to see how how well my rod can conduct energy. Yeah, we've got six that. lightning rods out here, ranging from nine to fourteen <laughs> feet. We we've got it all covered. 
<laughs> oh, that's a sad truth. Well, before we move into the tips and tricks, let's go ahead and knock out our bait check. And we'll get continuing on with this fun talk. It is the very first bait check of the episode. And this bait check is being brought to you by the Kids Can Fish Foundation. You guys know I love them. Kidscanfish.net doing great things for these kids. Uh, the camps are right now and still in St. Simons, St. Simons Island, Georgia, and also up in the northern portion of Florida, Jacksonville area and stuff like that. They all go a little bit further south. However, new camps might be coming out that might be on the road. You're going to need to pay attention to that. All the things that gets money into Kids Can Fish is automatically put back into that for the kids to go. They go to these camps. All the gear they get, it's theirs. They don't pay for it. It's theirs. They learned how to use that cast net that day. They used that rod that day. It's now their gear. So you're helping the next generation get that wonderful addiction that we already have right into them to pass it on. And they're learning great things. Uh, you get to go to their end of the year. It's in October. It just passed the Red Burning of the Bulls tournament. That also huge fundraiser for them. They are doing great things. So go check them out. Kidscanfish.net. Love you guys. Thank you for all that you do for this community and the kids. It's huge. All right. Moving into the knowledge. Here we go. All right. For you personally, I know you do have the charter business, and I know you also fish on your own. Whether it runs in both, you're welcome to answer it however you like on that. How do you plan your fishing trips? It obviously depends. I'm going to focus this on, on surf fishing. depends on what I'm doing, what type of fishing. Uh, I keep a log, and I recommend that anyone who fishes more than four times a month start a log. You can do it on paper. You can do it in Google Docs, however. And I will go back, and let's say I'm going to fish tomorrow. Well, I'm going to look at the surf report and say, I'm not going to fish tomorrow because I won't be able to keep it down even with a, a six ounce Sputnik. But let's say that um, I look at the surf report. I find out, OK, I'm going to have two to three. I look at my barometric. I look at the timetable of the tides and I do a search into my log and I find days that have a rating between a, a 10 and a one. And I that's going to be too complicated to get into. But I find days that are very similar to the day that I'm going to be encountering. I'll look at what I used bait wise. I'll look at how far I was casting, what color floats. Um, was I fishing for a different species? Because things change and I, I'll go into it later, but uh, we made a whole complete U-turn on a charter less than a week ago because of different fish showed up. So I'll look at what I prepared for, what I have done, and then I'll set up on that. I'll look at the locations that I went to. Then when I get to the location, I see too many people, they get to the, the access ramp and they walk straight down, straight to the beach and start casting and throw it out and sit their lines. Down and out all the time. And it's just, it, 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 it So I stand at the top of the dune and I look at the water. Um, and we're going to go into this later, as you had said, but I pick a spot based off of a what I've done in the past and b what looks fishy. And there is a definite way to tell what looks fishy in the surf if you know what to look for. And it's different up where you are. We have similarities, but obviously our currents are a lot stronger over here. So we get a lot more rips than you do for sure. I mean, I watch Bama Beach Bum talk about how wavy it is when you guys have ankle deep waves, ankle high waves. I'm like, come on, come on, Matthew. <laughs> But those are big waves for us, man. You start talking one footers, are like, Ooh. yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Matt. Yeah, that was uh, he was out for a tournament. And I, the last time I saw him, uh, when I was fishing around him, 
I think the waves were fives and sixes. And we were like, this is stupid. What are we doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you guys, it's well, like, that's a Monday. Yeah. When he came over here, we had that giant weed push of the sargasm. Mm-hmm. We we tried from the, the Space Force base all the way down into Indian River County to find clean water. We couldn't do it. So we came into the river. Yeah. So we came into the river and we went to one of my peers and uh, and, and he had, he lost a big snook, but then he caught a real big jack and we, we were able to, to catch some fish and have some fun with it. But the surf, it's been weird. It's been weird. You know, we've had great days and then we've had stretches of non-fishing. Yeah. Yeah. That run down A1A is, it can, it can be a little exhausting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's mentally taxing, especially in Cocoa. Yeah, I, yeah. I, give me, give me the base south. You know, I mean, I, I love Cocoa Beach. Love Cocoa. Oh, you said Cocoa too. They're going to get on you about that. Cocoa uh, and Cocoa Beach. Yeah, whoa. I mean, you you can start a war. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm safe. I'm six hours away for now until I, you know, got to hide when I come visit mom. Be like, I'm not here. You guys didn't see me. By the way, I'm probably going to be at one of three locations. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they don't like it when you don't uh, give it the full due full due respect of the name. Exactly, and now they're starting a third one with Coco Village. I mean, it's it's very hard to keep up with now. Is the village just north on that? What is that? Right in between the two, by the water tower, right on US one, and it's an it's an right on the river, right at the base of the bridge. They've done a good job. That with it. doesn't count. That's yeah, different. well, they're petitioning for their own city with it now. Y'all can have it. <laughs> have it hey i'm in melbourne oh my god are you serious man <laughs> hey for any of you that are in coco and coco beach and all that we apologize for <laughs> them for you yeah it's that's not going to be fun that's not going to be fun at all yeah well you started looting to it and let's continue with it then how do you select that spot because you mentioned a couple pieces that was a good teaser into it yeah let's talk about that so when i'm when i'm standing up and and looking at the surf I'm sure everyone has seen it and probably not paid a lot of attention to it. I call it a back wave. And what it is, is either a small or can be a strong, it's a riptide where you have water that is literally pulling out and you can see it running into the incoming waves. It's running from shore toward offshore. And it'll make a lot of foam in areas where there's not foam. You want to look for the width of it. You do not want to fish in the middle of it, but you want to fish on the sides of it. These fish in the surf, Every single fish that you clean is going to have the little coquina clams in their belly. This stirs that up. It stirs them up. It also stirs up any other little crabs that are down there, any bait fish that are down there, and they know it and they feed on it. You can time it on the hits when that push comes back out. So that's one area. Another area is to look for waves that aren't uniformed. Um, If you've got an area where the the waves are spaced exactly the same, they're a straight line coming in over and over and over, you probably don't want to fish there. But if you look north or south of that and you locate an area where you've got an angle to the waves and a broken pattern in the waves where they're much closer together sometimes and further apart, that's going to tell you you've got an anomaly on the bottom, most likely a trough. And troughs are amazing. You'll hear people talk about, and you have the troughs over there too, up there too, um uh, over the bar because you'll have a trough a sandbar and generally another trough now the storms did a lot of stuff here and then we had some beach replenishment which i won't get into Ooh, and that's a whole topic of doom and all our sand fleas but uh you're fishing in our past are in front of those troughs but you want to find those places and as we said before 
do not just pull your cart or walk down straight line because, oh, right, nobody's here and set up because it was an easy walk. If you're just going to the beach and you want to soak some shrimp, more power to you. And I get it. It's relaxing. But if you want to catch fish, you've got to find where the fish are. It, that's actually how I started doing paid charters. We would be fishing. I would have people north and south of us. We're bringing in fish left and right, filling up coolers for fish fries. And north and south of us not catching anything. People coming up to us and asking, what are you doing? What are you using? Well, we'll get into the rigs a little further because that's a big point. Um, but it's their location. A uh, hundred yards can make a world of difference. You might as well be in a desert if, if you're in the wrong location. You, you might get some catfish and that's always fun, but you know, it's uh, yeah, no, it's terrible. They will ruin your day. Don't, <laughs> if anybody's new to it, do not touch the catfish. I only use pliers now. Same. I, have, I will never grip them ever. I had one get stuck here that I had to take Ooh. pliers to grab him to pull it out. Yeah, good stuff. Those yeah, that's, that's no joke. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're just, yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, back to it. It just is finding the anomalies, finding things that look different. And they're still there, even when over here, when we get the days where we're flat calm, you can still see them because we always have water movement, always. Um, the moon phases will affect it. Obviously, high and low tide will affect it. Um, storms, wind. And you want to learn the wind patterns in your location. Some winds will kill you. For example, here, a northeast wind, that's a very tough wind to fish. We get a west wind, beautiful, because it makes a false sea, and it's wonderful. So it's just, uh, it, it. I've done it for so long, it's something I had to take steps backwards when I started teaching people how to do it, because it was, well, why are, what do you mean you don't know? It's right there. Can't you see it? And I mean, obviously I had to learn it. And so I had to take that back and do a reset to wait a minute. You had to learn it. And this person's never done it. How did you learn it? And so that's how I walked myself into teaching people about what I just said. That's good on you for teaching it, though, man, because a lot of people wouldn't. You know, you know it, it, time on the water makes the difference. Absolutely. But there's a lot of people that won't share that. I get a lot of customers that they specifically hire me because I retired here. I've been surf fishing for six months. I'm catching catfish only. I want to learn. Yeah. And that's a different type of charter. I also have people, I've had charters. We just want to sit in the chair, watch you catch fish for us to take home and cook. <laughs> so, you know, so, sure thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want to pay me to fish? Okay. Here we Sold. go. <laughs> so, and any, everything in between. Some people, they just want to fish and reel it in. The majority of my charters want to learn. And so I will start it at the truck before we even head down the walkway. I will start it at the truck and tell them why I brought what I brought, why I'm rigged the way that I'm rigged, what I'm looking at when we get to the top of the dune, why I selected the location, why I'm putting the rods in varied locations and with different color floats, um, why I'm using clam on this one uh, with fish gum. I'm using Peel shrimp on this with fish gum. I'm using naked fish gum alone, um, using sand fleas. Go over all of that with everyone because one of the, the, the craziest things I see are just using the wrong rigs and using the wrong baits. Um, just it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, you're 
let's move into that. Uh, let's just jump right to it because you've already nailed the next part there on those ones. So let's talk about the rigs and sinkers and baits. Let bring it down. Let's go right from the top. That is the second worst thing. And it's always combines with the first one, which was the wrong location. Do not go to the big box store that starts with a W and buy that rig that is hanging there that has more terminal tackle and silver than a Christmas tree and the big black lines and the big swivels and the swivel at the top and the swivel at the bottom and a metal rod sticking out of it and the black wire line. But it's do, pretty. Yeah, don't hey, buy that. I, do not buy everything that. with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clip, clip that big swivel right to the hook right there. That's perfect. That's that's exactly what you need to do. That will not get you any catfish at all. Nope, no one. <laughs> My philosophy with the rigs is as light and as simple as possible. Um, I use a rigs made from uh, up in your area by Salty's Pompano Rigs. He does double drops, single drops. Um, he does a drop of one float on the top, one float on the bottom. But when you're selecting your rigs, you want it to have more line than it has anything else. Frankly, you only want two swivels on it, one small swivel at the top and then one swivel at the very bottom for the lead. Everything else needs to be a, a professionally tied knot. If you don't know how to tie the knots, don't try and make them yourself because if you get anything over a pound, it's gonna pop that knot. So get them from a, a reputable rig maker like Salty's and, and you can find them. And there it's well worth the extra 85 cents to buy that. Uh, than buying the cheap rigs. Uh, that That's huge. It's just, it's, you can be fishing right beside me with the wrong rig and you're not going to catch anything at all. Oh, yeah. I'm going to outfish you five to one. Easy. Very easy. Yeah. Yeah. So in the rigging, and then I, another thing I see is people use too heavy of a weight when it's not needed. My philosophy is as light as you can get away with. If you can get away with two ounces, do it. If it's rolling, then amp up. And with that, I actually, when I first get down, I'll throw whatever lead it looks like is going to hold. I'll throw that in without any weight and just, just take a look and see before I set everything up. Then I know, okay, well, it's holding. That's great. We're good. Or I need to put a heavier weight or even go to a Sputnik. So I primarily, and I, you know, our area, I don't need to fish Sputniks. No, not and I see people over there when we were over there doing it. I use them. I love them. Do you? Um, oh, I absolutely. So I have, I have a funky reason for it. So my reasoning uh, goes back to when I very first started the social networking, social media influencer. I hate that frigging word. God, yes. I hate that word. When I started doing anything in this industry, um, the biggest one I found was I couldn't cast. I sucked at casting. I did not have power in my left hand. I was doing it all wrong. Finally, I learned and I got with friends and they showed me, hey, look, this is the way. And what I did is I noticed that um, with pyramids, I wasn't getting as far out as when I was with a Sputnik. And I was like, all right, well, let's get a little sciencey here. And I have a bad habit to overthink this brain that's not capable of doing that. Thank you. Google for always having a formula for me. Um, so I took out a whole bunch of different sinkers. I took frog tongs, pyramids, cannonballs, Sputniks, arrowheads, and storms. I took them all out, same rods, same, nothing else, and I just did a weight comparison. 
I was out throwing everything with a Sputnik by close to 20 yards a shot. That's interesting. And I was like, okay, let's dig into this. Obviously, aerodynamics came into play. That was part of the conversation. Well, a Sputnik is overkill. Sure. Absolutely. That's a lot of holding power, but I've adapted my fishing to it. So, you know, my line is nice and taut. I've got a little bend in the top and everyone that fishes with me, they know my rods now. They are like, okay, Hey, that rods up and down, dumb, dumb. What are you supposed to be doing? I'm like, eh, I'm peg leg running. Cause you know, I can't, but it's the distance made a huge factor for me because I could be fishing um, a great example. Actually, you already know it. So right there at that spot we were talking about one year, the bar was maybe 50 yards it was stupid close and there was a giant trough right behind it and i was just dink throwing it was easy i was just barely throwing it and i was just crushing them i came back six months later to visit my mom again that same bar was like 120 yards out and i was like i don't want to deal with this but i was able to reach it um mm -hmm. so that to me was a confidence thing of all right i need range i need holding power i'm launching a sputnik sorry long explanation for that there but yes that was the main yeah. reason for that uh, and here it's kind of the same thing i if i know that i'm going to a spot where it's got a ginormous hole in front of me but the bar is a bit far out and i know i'm going to use zones i'm launching something real long I, I want all the range i can get you know you bring up a good point with that and 100 percent get at least a rod out as far as you can get it oh yeah always one but another mistake that I see people making is they take all of their rods, whether they're running two, three, four, and they throw them all as far as they can throw. Yep. Bad idea. You want to cover as much of the, the water area as you can. It's very similar to fishing off of a boat and fishing the column in different um, depths. You want to put a, a short rod, a mid rod, a little further, and then a bomber. If one starts producing, let's bring them in or throw them out. Everything's going to that one. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, it is. It that's where they're feeding right now. If they stop hitting on it, go back to your very same thing with um. If you get one color float, that's it's dominating. Switch them out. Yep. Switch them all out to that color, uh, because if your greens aren't catching, your oranges are. Chances are, unless you get a major watercolor change, the green's not going to catch. And that's a, it's, you have to be willing to make those modifications. You also have to, as your, uh, your commercial spots, I'll call it your check your bait, check your bait, check your bait, 10 to 15 minutes, check your bait. Because we have an, um, Tony from, uh, Tony Fagioni from Fish Gum. I learned this from his YouTubes, the little, uh, olive snails will come get your bait, pull it under the sand, suck it all off. You're fishing on credit out there. You got nothing, but you don't know it. So check your bait. Tony's actually the reason that I do a 20-minute bait check. <laughs> yeah. See, I do 10 to 15 on the charters. I do 10 to 15. Oh, yeah. I want to make sure I got fresh bait on there. And then, see, that's another good thing about the fish gum, too. Your shrimp is gone. You still have the fish gum on there generally. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I've caught some major fish on just fish gum where I've, I've stopped. I've been driving, doing uh, calls to the hotel marketing and water looks too good not to fish and just take the rod out of the truck and the fish gum. And, and I've caught fish and brought them home to eat you know, just like that, just on the gum. Yeah, synthetic is important. I've said that in so many episodes. You you can you put them both together because the moment that that live stuff gets pecked, because I mean, we've seen it. How many pins are out there? You know, they'll come by or they'll pick you off or, you know 
And the crabs one, too. All the crabs are jerks. Just, yeah. just stay on there, and so I can bring you in and eat yeah, you. Yeah. Is great. But the synthetic, they pick at it, but it holds, and it's like you fish both. You're not losing. Obviously, throw one out without it and check to see if the synthetic. Because I'm sure you've had it. I've had it where all of a sudden my synthetic was. It was the deterrent that day. It was no, I don't want. I want real bait. Mm-hmm. So those are the those are the days I'm not overly happy. I mean, I'm happy I'm catching, but I'm not overly happy. You know, when I get in the, in that situation, I'll I normally put the the bait, whatever it is, on the hook first, and then a, a, a piece oh, of the fish line, which which I cut into little tiny triangles to mimic the coquina clam. By the way, but if I find that that is is not working or seems to be a, a deterrent with it, I'll put the fish gum on first and then put the the natural bait on with this so that I, number one, if they're not eating the fish gum, let's say I've got an orange float and uh, a ghost shrimp fish gum. Now I've got two colors on there and one of them's releasing scent. So that to me is an added benefit of the rigging itself. It's a natural part of the bait because, you know, in the fish gum, there's a lot of natural stuff in there. It It's creating the scent trail, but it's giving you the color as well. And, and fish will be attracted to that. I mean, you'll see it on, on Tony's videos of where they're biting the float all the time. Yeah, especially with your area, too, with a different color. I mean, you've seen our water. Some days it's crystal clear. Yeah. I mean, you you yeah. got to be ta- – You that's when you're playing technical. And yeah. But you get those days where it is just muddy and you're kind of like, all right, it's going to suck. Can we still fish it? Yeah, it's still very fishable. That scent is the moneymaker, man. Oh, definitely. definitely. That, they're coming in from it from that. Mm-hmm. 100%. And then – the scent gets them, and then if they're able to see the color, that's going to attract them more. Wrong button. <laughs> you pushed the wrong button. <laughs> I meant to hit the mute and unmute button. I was like, why did I, why did I go away? I'm here. <laughs> well, this is a perfect time. We're at 40 minutes. So let's knock out a bait check real quick because we still got a lot of questions to go. And this, folks, is why I need an engineer. Yes, that is why. It is your second second debate check of the episode. And, you know, we've been talking about it. Hopefully you caught a bunch of fish by now and you're just listening to this on the car on the way home. That would make me happy. Yes, it would. If you haven't caught yet, change it up. Change the distance. Change the bait. Move locations. Do not grow roots it's okay to move it really is this bait check is being brought to you by the sinker guy i was talking about his butt next earlier how convenient go over to the sinker take a look at everything that chip's got going on in the sinker guy garage you need sinkers got you covered it's in his name rigs the bruno rig i i may have may not have no we know i did caught my very first permit on it it's a great rig it's doing great things you need swivels floats uh tools he's got it all in there so go over to the sinkerguy.com take a look get your order in today quick shipping great customer service and uh he's always there for you good stuff so you're talking about this i'm going to bring this back in here um because i was fishing with salty at the kids can fish tournament and he came over of course he grabbed my rig because that's what salty does because we're friends <laughs> and look he goes what the hell is this i'm like what he's like what is this and he grabbed it and i was like it's my shock leader he's like what's wrong with you I was like, I like, I got sick and tired because of how him and I met actually was I broke one of his rigs and uh, it's because I wasn't using the proper formula. I wasn't doing the, you know, what is it? 10 pound, one ounce. I wasn't using that formula. I was throwing fingers on his 20 pound rigs. That's way out of the box for a 20 pounder with how I cast my, my whip. I have a whip cast. 
So I know that. Um, so I put the shock leader on and I can throw his rigs all day with a five ounce or no problem. He's just like, all right, I see what you're up to Get back to fishing. So I love salty's rig. Salty's done great things. He's the dude. Is They're fantastic. Listen, we, uh, a friend of mine, um, uh, Matt Stevens, who, uh, he has the, uh, the space coast fishing experience channel. He was fishing with a salty's rig that I gave him. He had to have hooked a, a smaller fish. And then about a 60, 80 pound tarpon ate that. He fought it for the better part of 15 minutes on a Salty's rig before it finally, before it finally couldn't handle it anymore. I mean, it was insane. And the tarpon was running north and south instead of out. So he was just running up and down the beach with this thing. I thought he was going to land it. I mean, it was amazing. Oh, I would have been so sad. I'm like, no, get closer. Damn. There's just no, I, it, it jumped. I'm like, I, what? I mean, it insane. Oh, that would have been fun to see. Yeah, I think Salty's got it on his Facebook page. I think he posted the video. I'll have to look. That, that yeah. sounds like fun. Then. All right. So you talked about his rigs. Um, and I, I went on a diarrhea of the mouth there with sinkers. Um, what do you prefer for sinkers over there? I'm old school. I use a pyramid whenever I can. Yeah. Um, my go to would be a three ounce. If I can get away with two ounces, I will. Uh, four ounces, I, I carry everything from a two to a five uh, in my tackle bag, which makes it nice and heavy for you. And then I keep Spudniks always, but I keep those on a ring attached to my my beach cart. And the Spudniks, I have four and five ounces in the Spudniks. Uh, I don't see any need to go smaller because I'm going smaller. I'm gonna be able to hold it with a pyramid. But if I can get away with the pyramid, I'm using the pyramid, period, hands down. The, on a rare occasion, depending on if we're fishing something else, fishing for something else, like in the mullet room, fishing for snook, I'll do either a Carolina rig or a knocker rig with an egg sinker, but totally different type of fishing. Ooh, you would, yeah, I know what you're talking about with that one. <laughs> That's good fishing right there. That's yeah, fun yeah. times right there. Oh, definitely, yeah. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit more of gear. Uh, what is the, what are the essential gear and tackle needs for a successful surf fishing trip, and how can anglers choose the right equipment for their needs? I see this a lot too. The first time fishermen on the beach, anglers will buy a surf rod. They assume they need to have a 12, 13, 14 foot rod. It's a lot different casting that than if you're for, used to fishing lakes up north or even down here, your seven, eight foot rod, a lot different. People go buy those. I'll watch them cast. All their cast will go either right or left, depending on what hand they cast with, or they'll drop it behind them. There's a learning curve for that. On charters, I will take everything from a seven foot to a 14 foot rod. The some people want to cast, and I obviously will encourage it and let them do it. Um, but as far as casting the big 14 footers, it's totally different. But people can handle the smaller rods. So if you're going to, to be a, a first time angler on the surf, I recommend that you get uh, a rod somewhere between seven and nine foot and a spinning reel that's a, between a, a 4,000 and a 6,000 in your spinning reel, something you can handle get two or three of them, use those, learn on those, then graduate into the longer rods. I like that you did that. Not many people would go with the seven to nine, especially for the learning curve. I like it. 
Listen, some of the biggest pompano that we've caught have been on a seven foot rod here and you can get plenty of distance off of it. And a, a lot of times the fish are in 20 yards of you anyway. That's the one that I think so many anglers and I'm guilty of it. I mean, I've been doing this for a few years and I know other ones, we're all guilty of it. We start getting in that over the bar mentality, over the bar, over the bar, right. they're far. We totally ignore the first 30 feet. And Tony, I love what he did when he came out with the run rod. Run rods. I got two of them right over there. Yeah. Right, right now. <laughs> yeah, I used mine on the last tournament. You can't ignore that first 50 yards. That is a gold mine of plenty oh, yeah. of pompano, Spanish, right, whiting. They all still come up close to get after. Throw to the bluefish. I mean, they're coming in to get the stuff. Listen, Robin, uh, my girlfriend, she was fishing one of the runt rods before it was a runt rod. We had ice, an ice fishing rod that she liked to take down there, and she was fishing right in the breakwater. She caught a keeper flounder right in the breakwater. Yeah, with the, with basically a, a, a pre version of a runt rod. Yeah, you I mean, can't ignore it. I looked over because she was catching little dink whiting, and I look over and the rod is bent, and I'm like, "What? Did she snag on something?" And then it's going, and then <laughs> she starts yelling, "It's a flounder! It's a flounder!" Dragging it back in. <laughs> I mean, rocking a runt rod with a Carolina setup. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, deadly, yeah. totally deadly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're fun. I mean, they're fun. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Yes. All right. Let's get into these. Let's keep going here. What do you do when you go fishing in a brand new place that you haven't been before? Brand new place. Going back to what I said about looking for the anomaly in the water, looking for a rip, looking for something that is different. Uh, let me get back into that, too. To find something that's different. First, you have to find what is the pattern, what's normal, what is happening in a consistent basis, where the wave patterns are, then you can look for something that's totally different than that. Because you're at a new place, the wave pattern is going to look different to you. It's going to set up different. The bottom is going to change and it's going to change the wave pattern. So you want to give more time. I give more time looking at the surf when I go to a new location because I want to see that pattern. I'll, I'll wait for three to four sets of waves to come in before I'll go and set up in my spot. And you hit it earlier on there, particularly in a new spot. Do not grow roots. Be ready to move if you need to move. Always have your head on a swivel. And if you see a place that looks better and you're not catching fish, go. Now, my grandfather taught me never leave fish to catch fish. So if you're catching them, even if it looks a lot better over there, stay right where you are. Grass isn't always greener on the other yeah, side. I know. No. I mean, oh, look, wow, we're catching fish. But look, there might be some over there, but we're catching fish. We got to move. I mean, no, no, stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so sad. And the bad part is, is anyone listening to this? You know, you know somebody that's done it. I may or may not have done it. Oh, I've done it. I've absolutely done. I'm like, oh, that looks yeah. better. Dumbass. Yeah. Oh, it looks way better over there. <laughs> oh, put him in the cooler. All right, let's go. <clears throat> well, that leads into this next one then. How do you adjust tactics for fishing when the bite isn't on fire? I'm always ready to change. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm always ready to change up my bait. I always will have multiple types of bait. Um, I'm always ready to change up my rig. And a perfect point um, that I brought up earlier I had a two-day charter, a Thursday and a Friday. On the Thursday, it could not have been, I couldn't have scripted it any better. 
the set lines, we were catching fish about every 20 minutes, which is perfect. Big keeper Pompano loaded the cooler for him. The next day, pretty much the same location. I went a little further north, set up, nothing on the set rides, nothing, nothing at all. Uh. So I'm watching. And uh, I'll go in, in, in a little deeper on this too. The the Spanish and the bluefish were chasing the glass minnows and there were some uh, LYs in as well. When that happens, and this is a theory of mine, because they also attract the bigger predators like the sharks and a bluefish will gladly eat a whiting anytime he can or a small pompano. I believe those fish move out or at least get skittish and they're not gonna feed as much. I believe that's why we were not getting them on the set rod. I had another rod. I put a silver spoon on it and we destroyed the Spanish mackerel from, from anywhere from 14 to, to, to 20 plus inches on it. Gave the charter a totally different experience. I had no plans whatsoever of using artificials on this trip. But if I would have stayed stubborn and said, oh, yeah, look, I can see Spanish right there, but we might catch one here on this and changing. I mean, a complete flip of how we were fishing. And changing to that, which made it a day that they they were thrilled about it and loaded the cooler again for them. And they, they both days they cooked the fish that night. Um, and I again, I had no plans whatsoever to do that. But that's the fish that was biting. Now, let's say it's a day where there is not a bite. If, if I'm just out with Robin and we're on a Sunday, I'm probably going to sit there and listen to the radio and maybe have a cold beverage and not really worry about it too much. But if I'm on a charter, they're not paying me to stare at my rods, not catching fish. So I'm going to be changing rigs out. I'm going to change colors. I'm going to change depth. I'm going to change bait. I will also split my location. If, if I think it still looks good, but this spot is looking a little fishy, I'll take a few rods and move them there um, and just continue to make changes on that. Um, keep your head on a swivel. If you see birds feeding, Give it some attention if you're not catching fish because they're going to be fish there. And this time of year, and this is another theory that I have with it, when these pelagics come through and are eating the mullet and the LYs, et cetera, obviously the, the pieces that they don't swallow fall to the bottom. All the crabs come in to eat that. Well, Permit and Pompano love crabs. So they come in to feed on those which is happening right now, which is unfortunate because we have tomorrow's forecast is for nine foot. Not going to be a lot of surf fishing going on tomorrow. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> sticking to nine feet. <laughs> nine foot. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, Mother Ocean, whatever you're mad about, please get over it. Oh my God. But yeah. All right. So yeah, big waves like that crabs. Yeah. They, they love, I mean, I love fishing crab knuckles for that reason. They oh, absolutely. Crab. Yeah, and, and, and also the drum. The drum will, will come in. The big keeper drum, too, will move in. Which, if you have not eaten drum, a nice 18, 19-incher, do not turn your nose up to that. They are amazing. People talk about worms in them. First of all, the worms that are in them are harmless. I guarantee you anyone who's eaten more than 15 fish meals of any type of a, a white or a, a thicker fish has eaten those worms. They You can't even tell they're there. Um, Victor from Landshark, he's got a video of where he was cleaning the fish that were in there. He pulls one out and eats it right there at the cleaning table. 
to show that they're not <laughs> not you know, harmful. Now, I, I granted to look at them, no, and I'm going to cut them out of the meat, but the rest of the meat's perfectly fine. Relax. I mean, if you're not going to eat that, never ever go to a a slaughterhouse and look at the the cows that they're killing. Oh, we'll never no. do that. oh we're not going down that path, and you're, <laughs> you're going to ruin that one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'll never eat beef again. I I've yet to catch a puppy drum. I mean, I've had red yeah. drum. I've yet to catch a black puppy drum. That's on the list. This now year. you get a good run in the fall over there, those and the spring. Larry caught one today. So that told me, all right, I need to get my butt out this weekend and go fish. But yeah, yeah. get some crab knuckles on there. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I got I to gotta make a stop up at the local tackle shop, or I'm sorry, the local bait store and go get me some. Actually, no, it's not. They're actually a restaurant. They're nice enough to let me buy crab. <laughs> they don't judge me when I go, this is bait. Uh, they're, they're pretty nice about it. You know, we, I also do crabbing charters and we do it a little different. We crab ambush. And I know that's another video for another time. But I will catch the smaller crabs, go out with a net, throw some bait out. Don't even worry about the string or the, the trap. And, and when the little crabs come up, net them up, put them in your, in your bucket, take them, wrap them in. A, if you're going to fish the next couple of days, wrap them in um, a wet paper towel, put them in the refrigerator. They'll stay alive. But then also leave them yep. whole and freeze them. And I mean, you got it. I mean, that, and that's a great bait. And in Florida, Florida, for anyone who's watching outside of Florida, we have no size limit on blue crabs you can keep any size that you would like <laughs> before we get any bad comments down there mike got destroyed for that we went crabbing here in the local area and we're in a crab group and it was the virginians they're the ones that came wow. down because they have a very 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 strict on their blue crab yeah, yeah. and we're pulling out females and they're like put it back <laughs> slow your roll first yeah, of yeah. all relax we don't relax. have that problem here yeah. Uh, but yeah, we know I, your I, crab cakes are better because you don't put any filling in them up in Maryland and Virginia. We don't know how to make them. We got it, but <laughs> you got different rules than you do. You guys, you, you Florida man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we do things different down here. We're a whole different country. We know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you brought up um, a good one here. We're gonna nail this one, and then I know we're we're pushing on your timelines, but. Uh, yeah, how do you think the anglers target specific species of fish in the surf and what are some tactics for catching popular game fish? We talked about pompano, red, uh, red drum, all those ones. And you nailed it good with the bait there, but I know there's more. So what, what else do you do? The number one sought after fish is the pompano. And a lot of people don't realize we have resident pompano. And what I mean by resident pompano is even though they're not technically classified as a pelagic, they're a pelagic. They travel north to south. They travel in the spring. They travel in the fall. But again, and you do too up there, there will be fish that I'm, my theory is they figure out, man, there's bait here all the time. Uh, this is good. I'm good. You can catch them year round, but target, target them differently. This time of year, I'm going to use crab, sand flea, and peeled shrimp. In the summertime, I'm going to use small pieces of crab. And the reason I'll do that, like a smaller crab knuckle, one of the, the, the leg sockets, and the reason for that is if I'm not catching a pompano with it, the whiting will still eat that because it's smaller. Any of the resident drum that are here, red or black, will eat that. Um, you're going to get, uh, we'll get some spade fish that move through. They'll eat that too. Uh, the bonnet head shark, which we left out earlier, Ooh, so good. they'll eat that. And if you have not eaten the bonnet head shark, they are amazing. Amazing. Make sure you do. Um, I, I actually gill them and gut them as soon as I catch them and get them in the ice. Oh, yeah. 
but they are delicious, wonderful, wonderful fish. And it is because they only eat crustaceans. They eat shrimp, they eat crabs, that's it. So you're going to want to use those types of bait during the different times of the year. And as I said earlier, always have at least three types of bait with you and have, if you can't get three types of bait, have three types of fish gum with you, different colors, different scents. And, and that will allow you to mix it up on it. This time of year, if we can get them, sand fleas. And in summertime, yes, sand fleas, but you're going to limit your target. I will cut my sand fleas in half in the summertime. Um, number one, it's easier for the whiting. Number two, it releases scent when you cut them in half as well. Uh, because a big, big sand flea, the whiting, they'll pick at them. But unless you get a stud whiting, he's not going to be able to eat it. Yeah size on that one a little olives if you go over an olive cut it cut it cut it cut it do yeah. not go big for those yeah no absolutely need. absolutely all right last question in this category and then we'll get into the guide business here what are the top surfishing mistakes to avoid and how can anglers continuously improve their skill and knowledge in this great job this great thing that we do <laughs> well the, the the top we covered a little bit don't just walk straight down and start fishing Number two, do not buy that rig that looks like a Christmas tree from the W store. Don't do it. Keep your gear, your tackle simple, very simple. Do not be stubborn and only throw as far as you can, which we also covered. Vary your distance. And probably the biggest is don't be afraid to move. Um, invest in a beach cart if you're going to do this. Because you need gear when you're doing this. A mullet run is different. We'll pack real light because we're running up and down the beach. But if you're set line fishing, you need your gear and you need options. So invest in the beach cart with big wheels. Don't get the little wheels. That's a giant mistake that I see. They're okay coming down the hill, but oh. then they basically have to call a tow truck to get up the hill with those things. And you're cursing because you're already damn tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're dreading it the whole time. Look at these little wheels like this. It's like, oh, God. It's like, no, I saw a guy the other day had a, a baby stroller that he was using as a beach car. <laughs> oh, you poor soul. Yeah. Wheels like this big. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, and he's just a plow. That's all he is. Yeah. He's just a plow in the yeah. sand. Yeah. Poor yeah. guy. He's like, I don't know. I, I, okay. All right. So, well, I mean, yeah. You can get that away with that up stuff. in like Bernadina or maybe jacks you could get away with that because you got the friggin' pavement sand but down there maybe where you're at, oh, yeah, maybe oh, ormond saw. you know maybe okay yeah, maybe ormond yeah where they ran the you know the race cars but yeah soft sand beach tires they are yeah that's oh they are oh it's it's, it's it's if you if you've pulled the little ones because you thought you know what i'm gonna save the and they're expensive i'm gonna save the money but then you get the good ones you will not even you you will you'll slap yourself for not getting them earlier. I mean, it is that much of a difference, and you can pack four times the gear. Uh -huh. Well, I just I just left the Orange Tire Mafia, and I got bearing oh. wheels for the first time. I got wheelies. Uh, I just got a set, and uh, I got a bum knee that I'm still repairing, and I was able to walk a mile in our sand. And with that, I was like, Why didn't I get bearings before? I'm a freaking idiot. <laughs> so well, see, so different bring up a good point with that when you say walking a mile we went down um that's the reason we went up there we were trying to catch a red snapper from shore and i can't remember the fort's name it's on the same road where the peg like pete's is but way way down you're on fort pickens i know i know the spot yeah. you went 
Yeah, so we went, but we had to walk like a mile, but we had the cart with us. And I mean, it was hot, it was beautiful, but without that cart, we could have never got down there ever, ever. Was, was that the trip with Matt or Tony? No, well, Tony, uh, Tony is who, who turned me on to it. Um, yeah. the fish, the trip with Isabel was actually down here when the winds were, oh, the weeds were okay. in. Uh, Tony wasn't able to make it on that, he was, um, uh, tied up with some other things with it. It was the same time when, uh, when um, Isabel had his his, um, his opening party at the the warehouse oh, for Oh, I remember the weekend you were here. Yeah, yeah. that was a. There was nothing cool about the weather uh, around that time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're you know it's hot here. We're used to it. Um, we we had a great time. I mean, I would come up there in a heartbeat. We had a great time. Caught some fish off the pier. Robin caught a big Spanish off the pier. We took it. Uh, made some um, sashimi out of it and also some sh- sushi stopped at the uh, we were staying in Airbnb. We stopped at a sushi restaurant and just bought sushi rice. And then I made the sushi for us. We sat out by the pool. Doesn't get any better than this. No, no, especially down there. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just perfect. Oh, all right. Let's do our last bait check here and let's get into your guide business. Let's start talking the fun stuff. And I always love when I'm doing video podcasts and I get to watch that that memory roll across my screen of me bringing in that fish. That was just, that was fun. God, I love that. All right, this the third and final bait check. Hopefully it's gone well for you. It's been an hour. You've been out there crushing it. Life is good and you have just caught all the fish and you're just living it up right now. That's the key. This last bait check is being brought to you by Ninja Tackle. NinjaTackleVA.com, great website. I use the rods. I absolutely love my dagger series from the seven all the way up to the 12. The 13 is coming. I know I said in another podcast that it was out. It's getting revamped. Uh, There was something that Matt didn't like, so he's getting it fixed. So we're getting a new set of rods. Absolutely love them. I use the seven footer. I have the seven footer in the car for my travel rod. It breaks down. I'll use that at the beach. I can catch a bunch of fish with a seven footer. My eight six, I absolutely love that for getting on the Spanish and getting on the other ones, throwing stuff if you need to get it out. Damn good rod. You need rigs? He's got them. And this isn't just for Florida. This is the entire East Coast. He's got a whole bunch of different setups from drum, blues, whiting, pomps, you name it. Matt's got it. Need bait? Done. If you're into firearm and firearm accessories, he's got you there too. Ninja Tactical. Lots of cool stuff on the website. So ninjatackleva.com. Go on up, take a look at it, check it out. Okay. Good stuff. Guide business. Now, guiding y'all are y'all are on a different level because it, it goes from the enjoyment that I have, you know, every day we're going out fishing and just going to, you know, and I'm going to go walk a little more. Now it's the pressure's on. So what got you into guiding? I started guiding on boats, doing, um, doing boat fishing, charter fishing, um, and then I actually got into tournament fishing. I was running a, um, a big um, hatteras for a dentist. And we were we fished everywhere from the Bahamas up to the White Marlin tournaments up in the, the Delmarva Peninsula area. Um, so I was very familiar with the the pay customer route, if you will. Then when I uh, moved to Florida full time, I started surf fishing, but was still guiding on boats. Um, I would work with several friends um, over Tampa, um, Dave Mastrada, Jaws Two fishing uh, charters. I would would uh, go with him quite a bit. Um, also at a Hubbard's Marina would, would go out there quite a bit. And it just became something that I felt I was good at. People enjoyed being with me on it. 
And it really was was boat-based fishing and guide fishing. I, I ran a boat here for a, a, a friend of mine, uh, Nick Moon, who owns Melbourne Seafood Stations, which are awesome places. I ran his boat for him for a bit. And um, we, we, we like to surf fish, and we would do that on our time off. And I had said earlier that people would come up to us because we were catching fish, and no one else was catching fish. And I started talking about it with Robin and then I actually floated it on Facebook and I got a lot of responses back. I said, Robin, I'm going to do it. So I started it, went out, marketed myself to the hotels, uh, word of mouth, the, the bars, the restaurants, slowly started getting business. And now I, I get, I stay busy um, when the fishing is, is good. The, the charter today, um, as I said, we, went and we, we fished under a bridge because the surf was not there for it, but we caught fish. That is what you're paying me for. Knock on wood, that's over 500 trips with catching fish on every trip. So the, it was, it was uh, necessity is the mother of invention. I saw a need for it and I did it. That's good. <laughs> really good. <laughs> Well, you bring in, you're going to bring me into this next question perfectly. You set me up perfectly for it. So we talked about the fish species that are there, but what we didn't talk about was seasons. And one of the cool parts about Florida is we, we can year-round fish. I mean, we are very blessed and fortunate. But the great thing is, is the seasons change, different fish show up. So let's talk about your charter. Uh, tell us about your charters and the different seasons and what you're playing with. Sure. Um, we we have, as you, you hit it right on the head, we have – I'll call it three seasons, um, and two of them are almost identical, but they're reversed in the pattern of the fish, if you will. And I'm talking about spring and fall. In the fall, we've got the fish moving from north to south. We have a lot of different fish that move in. We'll get a lot more Spanish mackerel, a lot more pompano, a, a giant number more of permit. The whiting are still here, but you've got so many other species and they're traveling the bluefish as well. They're traveling, they're burning energy. So they're going to be more aggressive in their feeding pattern in the summertime. Totally different. Again, we still have the resident pompano. You may even catch a, a Spanish that's hanging around too. We'll still have those around. They're not as aggressive for the most part in the summer with the exception of the whiting and the whiting will be an aggressive feeder in the summertime. And anyone who turns their nose up at a whiting, cool. you don't like fish because, oh, man, that is. And it's the easiest fish to clean in the world, too. It is. It's like the and, chicken and they make perfect great. It's just boom, boom, you're done. And uh, But they get very aggressive in the summertime. Now, it's hotter in the summertime. We're not going to get the, the giant variety of species. And your, your main target is going to be the whiting in, in the summertime with it. Then as we move back in and again into the fall and or reverse that go back into the spring when we're coming out of winter into the spring and winter we don't i mean you get a lot more winter than we do we get six days of winter broken up a little bit and you get those 60 degree days don't think you're supposed to sit at home get to the beach because that change in temperature change in barometric will turn the fish on and you're going to get a lot of the species that have been driven down. The pompano, you're, it's perfect timing for it. The permit, perfect, perfect timing for it. Um, the redfish will move in a little closer for that as well. Now, we can't keep redfish right now in Brevard County, but they're great to catch. Um, and they will move in with it. Same thing with the black drum. Um, 
so yeah, we let's call it three and a half seasons because the days of winter it, that changes everything. I mean, I've got some pictures on my Facebook where I'm on the the beach in jeans and it was because it was cold. I mean, to me, it was almost 68 degrees. That's cold for me. So, and we caught a lot of fish, a lot of fish, and it it really will will turn the fish on. Anytime you get a change, and I know I'm going a little off pattern, but anytime you get a big change like that in the weather, it's not a dangerous change. Fish it. Fish both sides of it because you will get the fish. Fish love to see something change. They like a water temperature change. They like a barometric change. They like a different wind pattern. They like a different current. That's been brought up on Salt Strong, too. I mean, on the inshore game, yeah. change is good. Change yeah. is very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love your winter. You got your guys have a joke winter. <laughs> yeah. I call my mom. She's down there and she's in Orlando. And I'm like, oh, how is it out there? She's like, oh, it's a little chilly. It's you know, it's 68. It's 40 up here. I'm like, oh yeah, your winter is real rough. Yeah, you guys uh, get snow. Little north of me, yeah. A couple towns up we do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they can keep it. I'm close enough to the water. <laughs> yeah, I don't can. have to worry about it. I'm like, I don't want to see that stuff. The I left first, I left New England for a reason. The first snow I ever saw. On Christmas Day was in St. Augustine, Florida, and I was trying to drive back to South Carolina, and I couldn't. They had the interstate closed in Georgia, so I, I couldn't get up there. And that was the first time I ever saw snow on Christmas Day. Yeah, and I, I hope this is the last time I ever see snow on Christmas Day or any other day, especially down there. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you after the show because I could end up running my mouth on that one. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's see here. Uh, so you talked about teaching earlier. So let's get into that. How do you approach teaching and guiding clients with varying levels of experience during the charter? So, and I will, I will ask a client, what is their experience level? Sometimes you have to trick them into the answers. If you come out straightforward with that, they're going to tell you, particularly if it's a, if it's a male, they're going to tell you, Oh, I'm, I know how to fish. I'm good. I'm good. So I'll start by asking them, what type of fishing do you normally do? Um, I fish lakes for walleye and bass. Okay. That's going to tell me that that person is going to want to set the hook because number one, they don't even know what a circle hook is. And number two, you have to set the hook because of the type fishing that they're used to doing. It also gives me an idea on the type of rods that they're using and the type of casting, because if they want to learn, they want to learn to cast. Well, they're used to casting one handed because they're probably using a bait caster and they're flicking it one-handed, one-handed, one-handed. You don't do that in the surf. So it tells me that it's a learning curve that I'm going to have to, to, to go with them into casting the rod. You almost have to trick them into it. Um, trick in a good way. Make someone feel comfortable with it's probably a better way to phrase it. Um, explain that it is a different type of fishing, um, just like driving a stick shift or an automatic. They're both cars but they drive entirely different. Same thing with the different types of fishing. So I'll establish that. Now, somebody tells me I'm a saltwater fisherman, but I only fish the river. What do you fish for in the river? Um, I fish for snook, trout. They're probably using lures or popping corks with shrimp or freelining shrimp or, or pinfish. Again, they now might be using a J-hook, but they have migrated into a lot are now using the circle hook. So I'll ask, okay, what type of gear are you using? Oh, I'm, I'm using XYZ, um, Mustad, et cetera. Okay, that tell, okay, so cool. So you're, you're cool with not setting the hook. And then also their 
probably going to be using a, a, a spinning reel. And yes, you can definitely cast them one-handed. But if you're going to get a longer cast, which they're going to do, you're going to put that hand on the bottom and, and you're going to, going to throw it out. So it's a much tighter learning curve for them, much quicker learning curve for them in doing that. Um, the, the next part that rolls into it, when for both those that I just described, they're used to the fish pulling all the time, all the time, all the time. Surf fishing, the fish many, many times, particularly big whiting, will swim directly at you. And people will stop reeling. Oh, he got no. off. No, 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 no. Real, 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 real. <laughs> Always assume the fish is there until you see that the fish is not. And that's a big key. You see that the fish is not, not that you don't feel it. Yes, when you get more experienced, you can tell and feel it. But many, many times these fish will run straight towards you on it. I don't know why they do it, but they'll run straight toward the beach and the line will go slack. And that's another thing. Uh, just to revisit real quickly, watch for slack line when your rods are set, not just the moving pole. But if the rod goes slack, pick that up and start reeling it. There's a reason it went slack on it. So that would, would be how I approach the gear and how they're going to use it. In regards to reading the beach, uh, someone who's fishing the river and, for that matter, walleye fishing um, up north, um, smallmouth, uh, largemouth fishing, they're used to reading structure. So I'll break it down and, and explain it in the same pattern of what they're looking for. All right, you're, you're looking for a log to throw it by or under. Well, the, our log is going to be that sandbar right there before the trough. That's our log. That's what we're looking for because it helps them relate to something they've done. Um, this, the same thing if I get a spec fisherman. Well, you, you want to throw this close to the, the sticks over there in the stick marsh. We want to throw it close to the trough, in the trough, this side of the trough, the other side of the trough, we want to vary it. So try and relate it to the type of fishing they're used to. If they've never fished before, honestly, that's perfect because they don't know any better on any, any factor of it. Yes, they've seen someone fish, but they want to learn and they listen much, much better, much better than someone who is a fisherman. And yes, I give credit to all types of fishing, all types of fishing. Surf fishing is different, just like fly fishing is different. Uh, the, the similarities, sure, but you need to understand the slight nuances in it, particularly finding the locations, the gear, and the casting. Oh, definitely. So much yes. <laughs> I got to say, there's nothing better than a slack line. Oh, yeah. I get more excited at slack. No, I, don't know. I think I like the, the rod just doubled over and. and oh, that's building. true. It's kind of hard not to love that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah as fast as you can go. Yeah, I, I actually, I ran and did a split the other day because a foot went out from under me, and I'm, I'm perfect. I was safe at home. It was perfect. Fifty-five years old doing a split. <laughs> it just hurts when you kick the friggin' sand spike when you do that. Like, damn it, no, I can't. Can I get the fish first? I think it hurt more getting up than it did. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Man, that's really cool. All right, so let's get a couple more here. Um, well, big one is where? What's your service area? Where do you uh, where do you run it out of? I fish everywhere from the the Cape, from up around Jetty Parks area, actually as far north as Playa Linda, all the way down to the the Indian River line, and I'll even fish south of Indian River. My main area of fishing is from the Space Force Base to Juan Ponce de Leon Beach. 
that is my honey hole area. I have a lot of really, really solid areas there. Number one, that are away from swimmers and surfers. And the third, they catch fish. I catch fish in those areas. Um, the way I do the charters with that, I don't tell you, if you book the charter now for two weeks from now, I don't know where we're going to go. I have no idea where we're going to go. I will text you full details the day prior, where to meet me, what time, et cetera, on that, what to bring. But we, and I will get a range. Now, some people, if they don't have a car, I'll squeeze that range in a good bit um, and fish closer to where they're staying. But um, for the most part, they, they generally do. I've had people Uber to, to places too. So it's a, prepare to be mobile if you're, if you're chartering me or if you're chartering um, Perdido Blaine up there, prepare to be mobile. I know he fishes from somewhere over in Alabama all the way across. Um, so, you know, be prepared. This is going to sound stuck up or arrogant. We do it every day. So we know where the fish are. Let us guide you. It's in the name. It's in the name of our job title. Let us guide you on where to go and how to do it. We'll put you on the fish. I mean, you're only trying to help. Right, exactly. <laughs> Well, that's not how we do it in New York. Well, that's not a great line. Exactly. It's not how we do it in New York. We're also not fishing for striped bass right now. Yeah. And it's yeah. not in the middle of the night. We're not waiters. <laughs> yeah. Nothing against you New Yorkers. We love you guys. You just have a different type of fishing. And it's, well, you know, it's different. New York is different. The Outer Banks are different. Oh, significant difference. Yeah. I mean, Lots of similarities in surf fishing, just small nuances and just different things. And it's okay. I mean, it, it ranges. It's different in St. Augustine than it is here. That's true. Good yeah. point. So it's you and you have to, you have to adapt to that. You have to know how to adapt to it because, and it, listen, if it was all the same, we wouldn't want to do it. No, <laughs> everyone would do it. It's, it wouldn't yeah, even be fun. Beer, be fish, fun. fish. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm done. Hey, it's being yeah, like the trout ponds at uh, the boat show in Fort Lauderdale. And catching It's <laughs> <laughs> not fishing. That's definitely <laughs> cheating. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Last couple questions in this one. Uh, what has been some valuable lessons learned for you after starting and running this charter business? Probably the, the, the biggest is patience. Um, because when I would go with Robin or even take friends, Robin's a very good fisherman. She'd help me set things up. We'd set it up. We'd do it. No, not really any talking. Or if we're talking, we're talking about the football game that we're going to watch when we get back home after or where we're going to go to lunch or, or what have you. We're not talking about fishing. When, when you have a new charter, they want to know that. They don't want to just watch me do it. They want to know why I'm doing it. So the communication factor is huge. Um, and that was a learning curve because, as, as I had mentioned earlier, I've done this for so long. It, I had to take a step back and say, wait, wait, a lot of these people are new to this. They don't know the nuances of it. So taking a step back and and really never making someone feel like they're, they're stupid or they did something wrong. Even if they do do something wrong, we've all done something wrong. And if they get excited about a fish, don't tell them, oh, my God, that's a tiny fish. That's a, or, no, we don't want that fish. It's the greatest yeah. fish ever. Yeah, ex exactly. You know you know how many jack have saved charters for me, big jacks? And for every guide that there is in Florida, jacks have saved, have saved every <laughs> one of us at one time or another. 
Um, so, so just learning to, to listen to the people and adapt to what they are looking to do. Um, don't change, and this is advice for guides, don't change your expertise just to pacify a client because again, they hired you to catch fish. Do what you know, but explain what you do. That's phenomenal advice, Cap. That That's the way to be right there. That's good stuff. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you for being that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last two in here, and I'll get you on the closing questions and get you out of here. Uh, uh, what advice would you give to individuals considering a surf fishing charter for the very first time to make the most of their experience? Number one thing, listen to the guide's recommendations on what time and the locations. Um, I'll put a small asterisk on that. You're fishing for fun and enjoyment. I will get a lot of people, today's for example, they don't want to go at 7. They want to go at 10 o'clock. So find a guide that's going to be able to adapt to that and do the trip that you're looking for. Don't tell the guide what type of fish you want to catch. Excuse me. You can tell him what time you want to catch, but listen to his recommendations. I've had people tell me they want to catch mahi before. Well, we're not going to catch that from the surf. If we could, we so would. <laughs> you can in Okinawa, Japan. Yeah, Oki, but I'm not going to Oki. Yeah, well, I'm just saying I want to do that. It's on the list. Um, but listen to what the guide says. Uh, communicate with the guide. Listen to the guide and get a comfortable feeling with the guide. Have um, email, text. If you don't feel comfortable, find another guide. And we're very fortunate in, in all of Florida, your area, my area, both water-based and land-based guides. We have a lot of very, very good guides. We have several in, in, in my area here um, that, that do wonderful service and make people happy and catch fish. That's, that's our job. And if we got into it for a different reason, there's a red flag there and you can tell. So don't be afraid to, to ask questions. I get a litany of questions. Most of them are on my website or on my Facebook. People like to hear it from the guide. They want to feel comfortable. They want to know what to expect. Great points. Well done, Cap. All right, last one, and then I'm going to get you into the finals here. Uh, how can listeners find more information about your surf fishing charters or get in touch with you to book these memorable experiences? They can reach me. I'm more than happy to give my phone number. It's area code 321-424-4119. You can call or text. Feel free to leave a message. My email is captainb at usa.com. And my website is the name of my company, www.captainbsurffishingcharters.com. You can also reach out to me, which a lot of people do on Facebook Messenger. It's the same on Facebook. Um, on Facebook, it's also Captain B Surf Fishing Charters. Uh, you can reach me any of those ways. Again, feel free to leave a message. Text me. Text has become very big. People like text. They're, that's the that's the thing now. So not a problem. Text me. Let me know. More than happy to work with you. Um, I have hotels that I work with. I can make recommendations for you on that. Also places to eat. Um, more than happy to, to help you and act a little bit as a concierge as well, not just the surf fishing guide for you. Good stuff. All right. 
All that stuff's also going to be linked back on findingdemosurfishing.com. It'll also be on the show notes that are going to be through the transistor page. You'll be able to get all this information so you can reach back to the cap. We're going to make sure you got that. Don't worry, people. We won't let you down. I won't. won't fail you. All right. Last questions, the closing questions here. And I know I sent you a big list and it's been condensed much down because you <laughs> answered a ton of those questions earlier through the episode. Uh, it's always, it's always how this goes. I, I never fails. Like I already answered, already answered, already answered. Oh. You just move right <laughs> down. Uh, okay. You kind of nailed this one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What knowledge would you give to a brand new angler? Yeah, I'm going to roll right back to it. Don't buy the Christmas tree rig. Use as light of weight that you can get away with. Don't be afraid to move. Vary your distances when you're throwing it out. Biggest, biggest, biggest one. Don't just walk straight down to the beach and set up. Look, look, look. Find a spot that's different and head there. Another 50 steps isn't going to kill you. Find the spot where the fish are. You'll be much happier with it. You've only said the same thing three times, so it's good. Yeah. He means it here, people. I mean, that's it, guys. That's it. <laughs> <It's> so simple. <laughs> oh, I failed you. I didn't ask one of my favorite questions for you. Oh, I'm going to ask it now. What is your favorite part of running a charter? My favorite part of running a charter by far is watching someone who even might be a little bit grumpy, and then they get that fish, and they feel it, and they pull it, and it's fighting and they're reeling it in and that look on their face is entirely different and then holding that fish up or looking at that fish and and just for the older people it's almost like going back to a childhood for the kids it's it's like christmas morning i love the reaction and the happiness of a client it, it is the number one thing for me i've had people get so happy over a, a whiting like this and you know what if they're happy i'm happy bottom line I love to see their reactions. I love to to see happy reactions. And knock on wood, I get a lot of those. I think you're good. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Cap, last question. We'll get you out of here. What's next for you? How far are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> as far as you can go, sir. I mean, you know, what's next for me? I plan on doing this for, for quite some time. I'm uh, 55 year, years young. I love this area where I am. Um, I don't plan on stopping this anytime soon. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I want to mix into it as we get a little further down the road is a little more travel for fishing. But we're fortunate. We do a good bit of that here as it is because of the great state we live in. I can drive two hours in any direction and find a fishing adventure. And we do that. And if you're smart, you can do it for not a lot of money. Um, we'll find nice places, either Airbnbs or inexpensive mom and pops. We'll take our camp stove, put the tailgate down on the truck, catch fish, cook it right there. You know, so what am I going to do? I'm going to do more of that. That's me in the future. That's so good, Cap. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and I know you've. I appreciate all the patience you've had when we've had to play with the schedules a little bit here. Oh, no Thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure. Couldn't couldn't be happier. I'm very glad to have the opportunity. I know we'll be talking again, and we're going to talk here in a minute too. So I'm going to drop you back in the green room, and I'll get back to you right as soon as I'm done with the outro here. Copy. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, there we went. We went down over to the east coast of Florida there into the space coast. We had a lot of fun stuff. I hope this episode was helpful for you because it was helpful for me and it was fun. I mean, come on. This podcast is fun. <laughs> it really is. So, and I hope I keep that way for you. I hope you enjoy it. If you uh, if you go back to findingdemosurfishing.com, you'll be able to get all the information from this stuff. It will be linked back to the episode. It'll also be on the transistor page. All this information will be back on there. Reach out to us. You've got all the social medias will be on there as well. So you can reach out to both the captain and I. Let us know your thoughts. Get yourself booked in the charter. And if you got family going down there, there you go. You got a perfect recommendation on how to fish it, who to fish with, and where to go. Easy stuff. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Great to see you. I'm out of here. <laughs>